These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. For tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. For what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. For it is dearness that gives everything its value. These are the words of Thomas Paine in his pamphlet, The Crisis, published in December of 1776. His pamphlet describes the atmosphere in our nation as we fought for our war of independence. You see, in December of 1776, freedom hung in the balance. Would it be victory? Would it be defeat? Only the will of the people would determine the outcome. Hi, my name's Pastor Rusty Gunther from First Baptist Church of Blowing Rock, and I want to thank you for coming by our podcast page. Today's message is our July the 4th weekend message. It's our celebration of freedom. And many, like in Thomas Paine's day, would say that we are facing a crisis today, a crisis in the church, as we see our numbers dwindling, our voice silenced, as we see a nation turning its back on the values that we once held dear. So what is the answer? Well, I hope you'll join us and listen to the message today entitled, This Little Light of Mine, coming from Jesus' wonderful sermon found in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. This message was taped July the 7th in our 930 service. I hope you enjoy it already in progress. that Jesus paid it all one more time just the chorus Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Jesus paid it all Jesus paid it all all to Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Amen. You may be seated. That's that's shouting news there. That's hallelujah. Uh, if you don't know that and you hadn't experienced that, then I would encourage you that there is a love and a grace 
that can wash anything in your life away, white as snow. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect of the opinion of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impelled them to separation. For we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, even those of you that didn't pass history in high school or college should recognize that as the opening declaration, the opening prologue to our Declaration of Independence. In writing this, our founding fathers acknowledge that these rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness don't come from government. It comes from God, our Creator. They follow up that statement real quickly by saying this, and that to secure or protect these rights, governments are instituted among man. So what they're saying is, is that we want a form of government whose job it is to protect and secure the rights given to us by God. What the founding fathers were setting forth was that the idea that government does not give us rights, but it is government's job to protect and secure those rights. See, this morning we celebrate the home of the free because there are brave people. This morning we celebrate that for the last 237 years around the world, Men and women have shed their blood to protect these God-given rights and freedoms. And we have an obligation, I believe, this morning, not just to talk about these rights, but to celebrate and to secure and to honor those rights. On this July 4th weekend, even though it may be soggy and wet and some of you may have gotten discouraged, that doesn't take away from the fact that we have freedom in the United States of America and all around the world has been seen as what's happening in Egypt, what's happening in other countries. People long for freedom. But you see, this July the 4th is a little different for some of my friends. I've got some Egypt evangelical friends, some church friends, some pastors that for some reason, this July the 4th seems a little more subdued. You see, it seems because of certain decisions that our government has made, certain uh, ways that our society seems to be taking as they abandon some of the fundamental principles that which our country is founded, many in this country are subdued this July the 4th. But I think we need to make our focus secure. You see, I want you to understand this morning as a student of history, as someone who has read uh, all that I can get my hands on when it comes to our founding fathers, when it comes to our nation. Uh, if you've seen my library, you know that I have a passion for history. I uh, just finished a wonderful book this week that came out last week by Nathan Philbrick called uh, Bunker Hill, talking about the initial roots of our revolution. But I want you to understand and hear me correct when I say that although many of our founding fathers were Christian. Some were deists, but many were Christians. And in the writings and principles that they expressed, those values and those understanding principles came out in their writing. To many of the things that we hear and that we read, we hear their Christian passion. But please understand me when I say America was not founded as a Christian nation. We may have been discovered in the search for a separation of church and state, 
But America was clearly founded on the principles of liberty and freedom. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom uh, to uh, have a conscience, freedom to assembly. Now, we may have been a Christian majority country for most of our history. We may have been a country where the majority of people claim the name Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we've elected and our laws have reflected those principles. But I don't believe we're a Christian nation. You see, our civil government was founded on the simple principle that power resides with the people. I want you to hear me again, that power resides with the people. And it shouldn't surprise us, and it should certainly not discourage us that we now have leaders, that we now have laws that so reflect the religious pluralism and the societal paganism that those people desired that put people into office. See, elections have consequences. Decisions have consequences. And you and I in the church need to recognize what's going on all around us on this July the 4th. You see, our problem has been that the American church for too long, Christians in general for too long, have put our hope in politicians. We put our hope in political parties. The next election that's going to come along, maybe that will change everything. We put our hope in things that it shouldn't have been in, in, in all of these other things, some kind of spiritual theocracy, when all along our hope needs to remain steadfast in Jesus Christ and God the Father. You see, I want to suggest to you this morning, you can't legislate morality. You can only let it live out in your life for those around to see. You see, we've tried for too long to change society by law instead of by love. We tried to allow the government to do something that was the church's job. And now that the government has failed, the church throws its hands up and hides or runs. You see, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I just want to speak the truth this morning. We've grown too comfortable with political power instead of principled power. We've grown too comfortable uh, trying to grasp a hold of that power and to keep control of that power what's happened uh, to keep control of our place at the platform to keep control of our voice we've watered down the gospel we didn't want to offend anyone although jesus said the gospel itself offends those who are lost we've watered it down in the message of the church is some kind of good news light some christianity light that that uh, tastes great that's easily palatable for the people in our community and in our world, but it has no filling. You see, Jesus said, those that come to me will be filled with living waters and they'll thirst no more. See, it's time for the church, it's time for Christians on this July the 4th weekend to stop apologizing for the truth of the Word of God. If it was offensive in Jesus' day, it's offensive today. Because this book comes against everything our society says is right. We need to stop trying to fit in. Stop trying to be liked. Stop trying to worry over whether or not we will be accepted and worry whether or not Jesus' message is penetrating our society. You see, I told you last week, the majority opinion does not create truth. The popular vote does not create truth. Even you believing something to be true does not create truth. Truth is absolute. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe it's found in this book, regardless of what the majority says. And I want you to hear me. My enemies 
are not those who have different values than me. My enemies are not those who see society different from me, who vote different from me. Those are not my enemies. My job is not to walk around condemning them. My job is not to walk around pointing fingers at them, shouting them down, calling them names. God didn't give me that job. His job is the job of judgment. See, my job is just the opposite. My job is to love them with everything that I have. See, my job is to be Jesus to them. When they spit on me, when they mock me, when they laugh at me, when they throw their values that I disagree with in my face, my job is to love them. Why? Because I once was them. And someone loved me enough to tell me the truth. You see, my enemy, church, is sin. And the deceiver, the father of lies. My enemy is sin in my life. My enemy is sin in your life. My enemy is the sin in this society that brings suffering and destruction and death. We can't lose focus of that. My enemy is the sin that caused God to look down from heaven and send his son to sacrifice his blood. This morning we need to recognize as a church and as we celebrate July the 4th that if society continues to walk away from us, standing for God's truth won't make you popular. It's not going to make you liked. But Jesus said they will despise you as they despised him. See, it's not my goal to be liked. It's my goal to let people see love. It's my goal to be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, I don't always like my doctor, especially when he gives me a bad report. I don't like my doctor when he comes at me with a needle. But you see, my doctor doesn't care if I like him. My doctor's concerned about my health. My doctor's concerned about my life. And it's time for the church to stop worrying about whether or not we're going to be liked and get back to letting society see us be the church. Instead of shouting from the TV stations and the rooftops, and please hear me, I'm not saying we shouldn't be engaged. I told you last July 4th, our job is to pray and be engaged in in a lost world. But what I'm saying is we've lost our focus Instead of worrying about trying to make Christianity popular, we need to worry about getting the message of Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world. We've grown comfortable, complacent. See, we need to get back to helping people see Jesus in us. We used to sing a little song when we were kids. They were, no, we are Christians. Not by what we wear, not by where we go on Sunday. Not by what we shout. They'll know we're Christians by our love. And I want to suggest to you, church, that as we celebrate the freedoms that were so dearly bought for this country, that are proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence, that thousands have given their lives for, as we celebrate that, it's time for us, like what happened to the children of Israel in our study of Nehemiah last week, to declare our dependence on God and God alone. You see, my hope is not built in a politician. My hope is not built in a political party. My hope is not even built in a nation. My hope is in God and God alone. Everything else will disappoint me. So how does that look this morning? If we've grown comfortable, if we've grown complacent, then what, what are we to do? And I want to suggest to you two words, only two simple things to remember. Easy to remember this morning the first word is shine 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, For you are the light of the world, talking to his disciples. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light under a lamp or under a bowl, and they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, people say, well, what is the church to do if, if we're not discouraged, if we're, we're to shine? You see, the Bible is full of this allegory of describing God where light is and the place where God is not as being darkness. The Bible says in John 1, in him was life, and that life was light to mankind. 1 John 1 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Jesus himself declared in John 8, chapter 2, that I am the light of the world. And here as Jesus begins his most famous sermon, a sermon that I struggle to put into my life, a sermon that we strive as Christians to become more like Christ in its description, he starts by saying that believers in Jesus Christ are to be light in the darkness. See, the darker the light, the more light's around. The darker the area, the more the church is to shine. The darker it presses in on us, the brighter we to be. Now, the principle there is we're not light in and of ourselves. You and I don't have light. What we are is a reflector of the God who saves us. You see, the light in my life is a mirror shining back that which God does and has done and continues to do for me. That when people see me, what he says is they don't see me, they see Christ in me. And when the Holy Spirit came inside of me, he implanted his light in me. And I'm to let that light shine. I'm to let it penetrate the darkness. I'm to let it go out in all that we do. He says here in verse 15 and 16 that that light exists for a purpose. It's to illuminate. It's to confront. In a dark room, light brings comfort. In a dark room, light brings direction. Light brings guidance. It says that light shines where there is darkness. You see, as some get discouraged This year, over all the things they see happening in our nation, I get encouraged. It's a chance for the church to get back to shining. It's a chance for believers in the workplace to shine, in their schools to shine. You see, if we shined as much as we voiced our political opinion, the world would be changed. See, all of us are quick to to go and let everyone know what we think and how we think instead of living who we are. That's what it means to shine. He says we are called to shine as individuals. We're called to shine as a church. How do you do that? You do it by your words. See, as I said, I'm not telling us to disengage from society. I'm not telling us to run. You see, that's some church's mentality that the world's getting so bad. Let's go run and take our lights and we'll all get in a little holy huddle over here and, and we'll shine bright in this area. That's not what the Bible teaches us. I'm not supposed to take my light and run. I'm supposed to just do the opposite. I'm supposed to run to the darkness. I love what C.H. Shedd, the great pastor, said. said, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells. I want to run a mission a yard from the gate of hell. And with everyone I see, share them the gospel and share it well. See, we're to take our light and begin to penetrate this darkness. Is the world a mess? Yes, but guess what? It's always been a mess. Is there sin around? Yes, there's always been sin. 
We've just grown comfortable in our little uh, Christian pods here in America. But if you walk outside the borders of this country, you'll begin to hear how the gospel is penetrating the world because it's becoming persecuted. Because they have to shine because they have nothing else. He says to shine. Shine in your words. What does that mean? That means that you need to allow the things that come out of your mouth to be the words of Christ and always reflecting him. Shine by your actions. What did Jesus say? He said, so that they'll see your good deeds. Now, he's not talking about doing good things to get to heaven. He's talking about your good deeds as being a follower of Christ. How do we shine? We become Jesus to our communities. We become the hands and feet. We become the the ones that clothe, that house, that feed, that love, that serve, that minister to the hurting people around us. You see, what's happened is the more government's done that, we've run away and said, okay, the government's going to do that. We'll spend all our money on buildings. We'll spend all our money on these things that satisfy us and let the government take care of that. Well, what's happened is when the government feeds and the government clothes and the government comes and tries to minister and serve, the answer for those people is government. But you see, when the church comes and gets on its hands and knees and begins to love and serve and minister, we can tell them the reason we do it is because of Jesus. See, church, I'm telling you, we've got to shine. What an opportunity to shine in our communities, to shine in our states, to shine in our nation. It's as if the care and share team got together with our missions team and developed a plan to shine. Heard someone on the internet or read somewhere give a description of the type of lights that we have in the church today. Now, if you get offended, too bad. So I'm going to read it. Uh, listen to what it, how this person described them. It's not, not mine, it's theirs, but I think it's pretty good. It says there are Christmas lights, but they only come out one time a year and they're just for special occasions. They only use for show. There's flashing lights, But the problem with them is they go on and they go off and they go on and they go off. And it's real difficult to follow the light that way. So there are flashlights. Those are sometimes used during times of trouble. But they have a short usefulness. And they usually fade out over time if not kept up with. The thing about flashlights is usually when they start to go off, if you shake them a little, they'll get bright for a second and then fade. He said, there are candle lights. They shine for a while, but when the wind and the storms and the rain come, they're put out. He said, there are dirty lights that after years of neglect, dust has gathered on them. And they've grown dim and they don't show off much light anymore. There are spotlights. Some are spotlights that concentrate on just one area. Some are floodlights. They cover a big area, but don't light real brightly. There are beacon lights that warn of danger and trouble. And then there are reflective lights, lights that require and depend on a different service. See, God's created us to be reflective lights. I I like to think of myself, if you've ever taken a flashlight apart, all of you have, sure, because you can't get batteries, right? And so why, why they make flashlights so hard to put batteries in, I'll never understand. It should be simple. You unscrew something, batteries come out, batteries go back in. But I've got flashlights in my house that you've got to have a Ph.D. to change the battery. You, you've got to unscrew it, and then the light bulb falls out, and then there's a little connector to the light bulb that falls out. But if you've ever been in that process, and I can see by your smile, some of you have been there, all of a sudden this reflector falls out. 
And see what that reflector does, if you take the reflector out and you put just the light bulb back in, it's just a little bitty bright. Just, just a little. But what happens is when you light that reflector and you put it behind and stick the light next to it, it shines. And you see, God has created the church to be that reflector that shines. Paul told the Philippian church, and I gave you the passage there in your scripture. I want to read it from the Message Bible. He says, do everything without grumbling, readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing. Go out into the world uncorrupted. I love how he says this, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. He was talking about 2,000 years ago. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Good living and the living God. Carry the light-given message into the darkness. You see, church, we're to shine. Shine. But there's a second encouragement I want to give you. And before I close, real quickly. And that's a word I already hinted at earlier, and it's hope. You see, just as we're called to shine this morning, we need to remember that we have hope. The Bible says in Psalms 46, So the world may tremble and fall into the sea, though the nations may rise and fall, my God never falters. You see, God's not surprised by what's happening in the United States of America. God's not caught off guard. You see, my hope is not built on what happens with this country. I love this country, and I'm hoping revival can come. I'm hoping there's a turnaround. But listen, if that doesn't happen, my hope will not be dissuaded because my hope is in Jesus Christ, my salvation. It's in God, the author and finisher of my faith, the one who provides everything that I need. And I look around and see so many Christians getting discouraged and getting down over what they see happening in the world. Listen, we should get excited Because it provides us an opportunity to face the same things that the disciples faced. And shine with a hope that is built not on circumstance, not on situation. My hope is not built on what happens outside and around me. My hope is steadfast in God. Because the Bible tells me He won't abandon me. Now there were times this week I was wanting to send out a dove, send out a raven, see if he'd left us. But the Bible's pretty clear that'll never happen again. And when God they made that promise with a rainbow, he sealed it with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, my hope is built on Jesus Christ. See, we've forgotten that Jesus took 12 disciples in the middle of a pagan, lost world that makes our society look like Puritans. And he changed the world. The disciples and their followers were beaten. They were abused. They were tortured. Many lost their life for their faith. They had no fame. They had no influence. They had no voice. They had a light. Empires came. Empires went. Leaders came. Leaders went. Nations rose and nations fall. All throughout our history. That light shone. Society rose, society fell. Thousands more killed. That light shines. See, church, I want to tell you this morning, while I might be disappointed, not surprised, disappointed, in what's happening in our nation today, my hope will never falter, and it will never fade. And my task and your task 
will never waver. We were little kids. We used to sing, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Shine it out till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. What about you? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the hope that we have in this country and in this church and as individuals. Father, I thank you for the power that's been released to the church that we've taken advantage of for so long. Father, the, the, the tools that you've given us, the gifts that you've given us, the calling that you've given us, and we've used it for no avail and we've squandered it and, and we squabble among ourselves instead of shining. We want to point fingers and we want to call names instead of being your hands and feet. Father, forgive us. Forgive us as we've sat by silently and allowed the government to do the job that the church was called to do. Father, forgive us when, when, when we've grown lazy and complacent and comfortable. Father, I pray that this morning we would declare our dependence on you and you alone. For Father, you are the hope of the world. Father, I pray this morning that, that each of us would begin to get a passion to shine. I don't know what that looks like in their workplace and in their homes and in their neighborhoods and their communities. It may be instead of going and getting in a political argument, they go and they mow their neighbor's yard. They bring a meal over. They visit in the hospital. They start becoming the hands and feet of Jesus. Father, let us shine all the more brightly as the world grows dark. And Father, never let us lose hope in you. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray this morning there's someone here that has no hope. That's placed their hope in the things of men, placed their hopes in things of this world, and they've been disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. Father, I pray that they would experience an unconditional love this morning, a forgiveness that we sing about, and a salvation that is the hope of the world. Father, as we do business with you, speak to us, challenge us, change us. In your name we pray. We're going to close with a song that all of us know. That if you grew up in church, it is well. And it would be easy for us to say, and I read an article this week that got me on all of this. Let me say, Pastor, you went off over there. This is my heart. This isn't sermon series. This is my heart. read an article that said, a Christian article, it's not well. And I thought, sadly, that's the view of many in the church. Listen, it is well. Though storms may buffet, though the world may turn their back on me, it is well with my soul. Because my soul is not dependent on man. It's not dependent on the United States of America. It's in the hands of my Creator. So this morning as we sing, maybe you just have a burden for our nation. You just want to pray. 
altars are open, you pray right where you are. Maybe you want to pray that God would, would shake you up. That God would tighten the reflector so that people in your workplace, people in your neighborhood, people in your community could see Jesus shine. And it can make a difference. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We're far from perfect. I'm far from perfect. Make all kinds of mistakes. But I promise you this. As a church, we're committed to shining. In this community, in this part of the state, we're going to shine. And we're looking for people to come up alongside us to make that light a little brighter. If God's calling you to be a part of this church, I'd love for you to come and let me share how you can do that. But for most of us in this room, this is our time to do business with God. Maybe you have been shaken. Maybe you have been confused. Maybe you have been putting your hope in something else. And it's crumbling a little. This morning, you let him know that he is your hope. Just stand with us and sing. I'll be here at the front. It is well with my soul.